Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's going on, guys and girls? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Panel and Fin Network. Got another great episode for you today on this week. I got Mark Pendergraph. Um, you may know him as the Possum King, so we're going to be talking a lot about uh, his career as a tournament angler. Obviously, he's had, had some big wins under his belt, namely the um, Bassmaster, not the Classic. I have to get away from calling it the Classic. The Bass Nation or Bassmaster Kayak Series Championship. I think that's the right name. We confuse it with the Classic and all that because they both take place at the same week. But regardless, the biggest... You can safely say the biggest probably kayak fishing tournament um, there is just because it has Bassmaster in it. Uh, TOC is another great um, tournament uh, out there, of course. Uh, but anyways, Possum King is going to be with us. We're going to talk about a little bit about that. As far as my week, um, pre-fishing for Lake Granberry for the next Slay Nation tournament fishing. As you know, my next my, this guest. Mark Kennegraff got first place. I got second place. So we'll talk a little bit about what he did on the water that day. And and I'll give him some of my input and get his advice on what I did and what I maybe I could have done to win. I don't know he's going to spill the beans on any of that. But anyways, it's going to be a great episode. Thank you for joining us. Um, and as always, thank you to my sponsor, Douglas Rods. Go check out DouglasOutdoors.com for the full lineup selection of LRS rods, X-Matrix rocks, they're very technique-specific, amazing rods. I use all of my rods are Douglas rods, and I love them, so go check them out. Anyways, we're going to go to a quick commercial, and then we're going to be right back with uh, Mark Prendergraff. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA 
The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Mark, buddy, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. How are you? Do you get tired of people calling you the Possum King? How are you embracing that new nickname? Because it's, it's, it's there now. There's no way to get it out. Um, at first, you know, it was... I, I really didn't care for it, but it's growing on me. Um, my buddy Chase Tanner over at Threadfin Apparels, actually, we're going to do a run of Possum King t-shirts. So that's going to be fun. But yeah, I'm, I've grow, it's grown on me. I'm used to it. Everybody... Every time I walk in somewhere and there's kayak anglers, it's, hey, Possum King showed up. I'm like, all right. Well, that, that's who I am now, so. <laughs> you might as well embrace it. You know, you never know how far we can take the brand name here. That is true. Possum King. So, better capitalize on it, you know, while it's still hot. Yeah. Who coined that phrase? Do you even know? Uh, I don't know. It probably was Lambert, I think. Ryan Lambert, lunch money. Lunch money. It, the king it, of nicknames for kayak fishing. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. I think it was him, but I'm not 100% sure. So, I'm sure it came somewhere from the KBN group page. That, that's it, that, I'm sure. They're I'm a big fan sure of the did. tournament scene. Yeah. So, Well, anyways, congratulations on that, man. I, Thank you. I'm glad it's growing on you because I don't think you have any other choice. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no. No other choices. So, how you been? How's everything? It's good. It's good. Just busy getting the last of the tournaments done for the year and getting ready to take a couple months off so yeah it's kind of like the tournament season is kind of winding down um i know we have we have a couple of more well i think pretty much the well-known tournaments in texas i think except for cats i think mm-hmm. they still have one but for yeah. most of it northeast texas kayak fishing um southeast uh tkc most of them are kind of like uh, just kind of waiting for October to do their their version of the TOC or the championship. So yeah, yeah, it's it's hot, man. It's hot to fish in August here in Texas. North Texas ran theirs in in August, and it was on Lake Whitney, which was brutal. There's, yeah, there's, there's no shade on that lake. So I, I never understood, and I'll have to ask Duke Trown about it. Um, I don't know why they picked that lake on summer. Like, I don't get it. The water is so clear. It is so hard to get a bite. You really have to go offshore to get a bite there, in my opinion. And I'm no expert on it. But I don't know why they picked that lake on summer, man. It's such a hard lake. Plus, every tournament that I've seen, they're always that asterisk. Well, we'll see how the algae bloom is because it's always prevalent in Texas. Well, why pick that lake if you know it? I've seen that algae bloom, and it's horrible sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a good lake. It, it really yeah. is. Hot, hot or cold, it, it's a good lake. You can catch fish. But, I mean, that's part of fishing. You have to be able to adapt to what you're yeah. doing what the conditions are. So, I mean, if you're not going to go out deep and you're going to stay shallow, you're going to get fewer bites. It's all yeah. what you're willing to do. So, Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah, I love Lake Whitney. I just don't like it that much in summer. It's a beating for me. <laughs> no lake in Texas is fun in summer. <laughs> not, not, let me tell you something, not uh, Lake Fork. Man, that was brutal. <laughs> it, it was a really hot day that day. 
I was uh, with Josh Smith on the Dark Waters podcast, so if people that have listened to our podcast probably it's going to sound like a broken record. But one of the things that I've I picked up on on the lake, you know, as the day was grinding out and I was looking at the leaderboard, I was like, if I catch five fish, I'm in the money. It doesn't matter yeah. what size, you know, by, by then I already caught three. So my last two is like, my last two could still be 12 inches, which is the minimum, and I still would be in the money. Yeah. And I was looking at the leaderboard, and I saw Brian Howell was up there, which I wanted. One of the things that I mentioned on that podcast is I was really pumped up about fishing it because I felt very comfortable. One, I know um, uh, Lake Fork pretty well, although I fished in an area that I hadn't fished before. But it seemed pretty much the same as the other areas. Yeah. Um, and that was the reason why I didn't go to Coffee Lake and Kearney, uh, Kearney Creek, or not so Coffee Lake, Coffee Creek and Kearney Creek, was because I thought, and you corrected me because that apparently wasn't that bad, but I thought because of the uh, rainfall that had uh, happened early in the week that that was going to be muddy. That's why I switched areas and prepared, prepared for that area that I was going to fish. Now, that was, now it wasn't an audible. It was, I already made that my mind like two days before the tournament. But... Um, I noticed, like, I looking at the leaderboard, I saw Matt Wallace, Christian, a great kid, by the way, and really talented yeah. angler. Um, and Brian Howell, and then I think I was fourth, and then you were fifth or sixth. And looking at the leaderboard, I said, I, if, I don't think Brian Howell is going to upgrade because he had like 76 inches, but it was so hard to upgrade on that lake. Yeah. It was just, it was hard to find five fish. I'm like, the only one that I feel like, if I get two fish that can beat me, it's going to be Mark. Just because your first four fish were very... They weren't that big, but they were Lake Fork, but they were consistently big. They were, you were in the 17 to 19 range, all of them. Mm. I think you had like two 19s and two 17s, 118, something like that. So I was yeah. like, man, one more fish from him. And I don't, you know, I'm going to have to get a big one yeah. or two big ones to win. When I got my fifth fish... I was so relieved because now we had an hour into a tournament. Um, and I was like, I kind of left the foot off the pedal. And I've mentioned that on my last podcast. I should have stayed hungry and tried to see what I can do to upgrade that last fish. And all I was praying, if Mark gets that fish fished, it's going to be tight. It's going to be tight to beat him. And sure enough, um, you did, man. How did you... How was your day in Lake Fork? You know, how did it play out? What, what was the keys for you to get those five fish? And, you know, did you have to make adjustments throughout the tournament? Uh, I, I went in with a simple game plan. Um, it's the same game plan I have at Fork anytime it gets hot. I like to find where grass is and I like to go punch it. Um, I started off early. I uh, had a little island in my area that I was frog fishing around. And I started with an 18 and a half on a frog, but that bite went away real quick. Um, I had a lily pad area that I went and checked, uh, threw a frog through there, a couple worms, didn't even get bit. So I moved on to my grass patches. And uh, lo and behold, in the area that I was in, they had sprayed for the grass, so they had killed a lot of it off. Uh, but there were still some nice chunks of it around certain docks and in the back of a couple coves. I was able to get in and work through pretty methodically. and pick up at least one fish out of each one so it worked out when did you catch your last fish because i know when uh they turned the tourney tournament offline you had already four fish yeah i was sitting at like four fish for 73 inches or something like that 
I, I think I, I think I might have already caught it. I just hadn't uploaded it, or I oh, caught yeah. it shortly after they turned the leaderboard off. They turned it off at like noon, so yeah. Maybe, I, th- I think I caught it about twelve thirty, twelve forty, and then I upgraded that fish again. So nice. What was your biggest fish? Like uh, nineteen and a half, right? Nineteen and a half. Yeah, I had uh, my smallest in the limit was seventeen and a half. 18, 18 and a quarter, 18 and a half, and then a 19 and a half. Does that ever happen to you or kind of what happened to me that you're so relieved about catching the five fish that you kind of let your guard down and kind of like take it easy, you know, when you have that grind there? Because I think when I look in hindsight, I'm always trying to improve as an angler, right? And I figured I'm happy that I got second place. I'm happy that I got beat by, you know, the possum king. You know, I can say, you know, hey, I didn't get beat by any chump. Not that anybody on that tournament is a chump, by the way. But, um, you know, kind of say like, hey, man, I only came second to this guy, right? So, yeah. Uh, but does that ever happen to you where you feel like, man, I, I got my five fish and I just, if I should have stayed, I should have stayed as hungry as I was when I had four fish. Have you ever gone through that mental struggle? Kind of like that sense of relief that catches up to you if you don't keep yourself motivated? It, it really depends on the tournament itself and how it's going. Um, I like to fish till the very end. I typically don't give up. Um, I mean, I'll get in a defeatist attitude if I'm not catching fish, but I make it a point to always fish till the end of the tournament. Um, there's always a big fish out there or there's more fish to finish your limit. So I just, I just keep going until it's time to stop. And then once again, time to stop is depending on how far I am for the ramp. So yeah. I don't want to get back to the ramp at close to five and tournament ended at three. So it, it, it all just depends on how the tournament plays out itself. But yeah, I, I pedal to the metal all day until it's over. So there you go. And that pretty much sums up why you won that tournament really. Cause it was, it was a grind for a lot of us. For, I think yeah. for everybody out there, um, I wanted to ask you about, about the wins that you've had obviously it's kind of like a dumb question i guess but i'll ask it just in case i get a surprise answer um championship bassmaster championship nation kayak series is that your do you feel that's your biggest accomplishment i know it is but yeah as far as win goes like you feel satisfied with you know most satisfying win you've ever had uh up to this point yes that is the most satisfying win that i've ever had i mean i've only had three first place finishes but i've had a handful of seconds and thirds and top tens that kept me going in the sport and kept me wanting to fish the tournaments but yeah only three real wins um, i won a kbs event i think it was one of their last ones they held on fork um one of the last ones they held period years ago i think it was 2017 or something like that that i won that one um uh and then the mass master and then the slay nation tournament was my last first place finish then North Texas, I've had a couple thirds and a lot of top tens in other tournaments. How did uh, how did it feel for you to actually win that tournament? The Bassmaster, oh yeah, man, it was. Uh, it, I was an emotional train wreck. Uh, it felt amazing. Uh, I mean, there's nothing more. I mean, having your friends down in a stadium in front of you, and you're up on this huge stage with lights and TVs and people yelling your name. It's 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 a pretty amazing feeling. Did you did you shed a tear there? Did you get that lump in the throat? Oh yeah, I cried on stage instantly. It, it just right. came out. I had planned if they had called my name, I was gonna jump and scream, and I cried. So that, that's <laughs> I don't blame you. Reaction. 
What? How do you top that now? Now you've won that. It, it's how do you? What keeps you hungry now? What keeps you from being just satisfied with that and saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm at the peak. What else can I do?" You got to um, keep yourself motivated, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, my new motivation is this year. I've well, pretty much the last two years, I've just had a horrible time on the Hobie Open series. Um, I just I can't seem to get it together in that series much less complete a limit and I, I don't know what it is that may maybe a curse i don't know but my next goal uh, besides going back to back in the Bassmaster championships which will happen <laughs> but uh my next goal is to qualify for and win the toc that's what i want my next big win to come from so next year is going to be almost everything hobie that i can do to get to the toc and then to win it so How's it when I know you've struggled this year in the Hobie BOS and um and I'm I'm assuming Mississippi River in Wisconsin wasn't kind to you or a lot of and tournament anglers out there honestly. It was it was interesting. It was just changing conditions constantly. I mean, if you found the fish, they were there. They really didn't go anywhere as per the large mouse. Um I had honed in on a small mouth bite that was really good. Um, and despite all my friends telling me, hey, get off the smallies, you need to go find largemouth because those smallmouth are going to let you down. I didn't listen. And uh, day one, I went after my smallies, and I spent about three-quarters of the day chasing them, and I just couldn't get anything that I could score. And then I tried to rotate to largemouth, and I just couldn't co complete a limit or catch one that I could score. So I caught a lot of pike. Um, caught tons of pike. If it was a pike tournament, I would have smashed everybody. <laughs> What's uh, the biggest pike you caught? Um, I, my board, my catch board's not big enough to measure these things. Really? Um, yeah, they were hanging way off. Um, I caught some good-sized pike. Um, I've got a picture. I've got fish grips in my hand, arm all the way up, and the pike's still stretched all the way down. I caught about seven that size. So Holy on, crap. On day two, on day two, a plus three bowfin. It was I just I was catching everything but bass, so it happens. Um. It's interesting, right? Because we're in Texas. When you get a bite, I mean, granted, I've gotten a bite on a jackhammer of catfish, mm -hmm. which kind of strange, but it does happen. I've gotten bites on gars, and you can tell immediately when a gar hits you because it's like it's snagged. It doesn't mm -hmm. even. Um, and then, you know, drums and everything. But on when I was listening to the KBN um, uh, podcast or live show, and Jay Wallen and Branson were talking about it. Um, they were talking about, you know, all the fish they were catching that were not bass. And I was like, that's crazy because over here it's completely different, right? We don't, we don't worry about... They, granted, it has happened when you catch a bowfin, you catch a drum or something. But you yeah. usually don't catch... You you're pretty much sure what when you get a tongue on the other line, nine times out of ten it's gonna be a bass. Whereas yeah. you go to Mississippi River, and you don't nine times out of ten you don't even know what it is. You know yeah, it could no. be one thing, could be the other. How challenging was that for you being a Texas native and being so used to fishing Texas waters? Um, not very much. I, I learned the different. Go ahead. I. Uh... I went up there last year for the Hobie Open and the uh, Bass Tournament. Um, I qualified for the Clat Championship through uh, the Bass Bass Tournament up there last year. So I, I learned real quick what it felt like to get bit by a pike and a bowfin 
Um, I haven't ever caught a drum up there, though. Um, a lot of guys caught drums, but uh, I learned real quick what it felt like to have a pike hit a lure. And uh, I, I mainly hug to the buzz bait when I'm fishing for bass up there. I'll run it along a cut bank or a chatter bait. And when a pike hits it, it's like somebody hit your lure with a two by four. First, where a bass hits it, they kind of grab it and hold it. Yeah, pikes are just extremely mean fish. They they don't care, so they they hit it like a freight train. <coughs> you okay? Right, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to lose you. Bless you. <laughs> but yeah, it. I mean, it's frustrating that you don't know. Like you're fishing an area. And you could be frogging a mat, or you could be running cut banks, or you could be just fishing a shallow water area with lily pads. It's frustrating that you don't know, hey, I'm about to throw in here, and I might not catch a bass. I might catch one, two, three, or four other fish before I catch a bass. But the cool thing about uh, lacrosse and the Mississippi, upper Mississippi is those smallmouth will get up on the cut banks. They'll get in the grass. And as long as there's a little bit of current, there could be a smallmouth there. And you could throw a flipping crawl up into a bank and catch an 18-inch smallmouth where you think a largemouth would be. Or you catch a drum. Uh, it's just it's insane the amount of fish that stack up in those areas. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting going back to what you said about the advice that people are giving you. It's like, hey, man, you know, smallmouth will, smallmouth bass will leave you. I think, can't remember, it was Jay Wallen or... Brandon, who mentioned it, but said the same thing that you know that you can't really rely on the smallmouth bass because it they're kind of unpredictable in that way that it, all of a sudden they'll just like leave an area and they're nowhere to be found or they would just won't bite. So you're not the first person who said that, obviously. Yeah, no. Or experienced that. There's a people a lot smarter than me that I I didn't listen to. So <laughs> I, I but. It, but I mean, it's hard when you get a hot bite. He's like, well, how am I supposed to live? The whole point of pre-fishing is to find that bite and that pattern. I find it. I'm supposed to not follow through on it, you know, yeah. ignore, ignore what I found. So if you wouldn't have done it and you wouldn't have found largemouth bass, then you'd be saying I should have just stayed with my game plan. At the end yeah. of the day, all you can do is get your game plan and hope it works out. That is true. That is true. So going going back to towards your wins uh, you said you mentioned um the slay nation we talked about that one and we talked about the the one on the possum kingdom what was the other big win oh the kbs at lake fork yeah that was your biggest not the biggest win but your first win how did that feel that was actually really cool um uh, it was my first win in the kayak um i did it with like 92 inches on lake fork um, there's only 14 people in the tournament, but it was like a 250 $300 entry fee. So I was stoked to win it. I cashed a good check out of it, my first big check that I had cashed, and I just kept rolling from there. But, uh, yeah, I think that was the last year at KBS when I won that one. So Yeah, that's old school right there, KBS. It is, it is. I've been around for just a little while. There you go, man. That's It's nice. Now that you've seen it grow, you see – KBS kind of turned into KBF. You see Hobie, BOS. You be, now you see Bassmaster getting involved. What's your thought on the growth of the kayak fishing sport and community? Man, the the growth of it has just erupted over the last couple of years. It's insane yeah. to where, where we were three, four years ago to where we are now. Um, the community's grown, um, and it grows in all different directions when it does. 
Um, you, you got the local guys that like running their grassroots trails. They're not interested in paying three, $500 for an entry fee to go fish somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got your grassroots, you got your next step up from there, which I would say now um, would probably be KBF. If you're going from grassroots and you're wanting to look at national and travel, I would say your next step would now be KBF. And then from KBF, you move up to Hobie and Bass. So I think that's, a, and it's really progressed. And I think there's more to come. Um, <clears throat> other big names are going to jump on this just because there's so many anglers and so many opportunities. Yeah, you might see some kind of crossover from <laughs> the basketball world. Well, we already seen it with Mike Iaconelli. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be a bunch more that are going to come through and make that kind of crossover to the kayak fishing community and the, the tournament scene. When you look at what you guys did on Possum Kingdom, and granted, this the classic was held at a different lake. It was a Ray Roberts, mm. yeah. but still, Ray Roberts was ranked. And it's, I don't know how I feel about those rankings, but let's just give it for the sake of this conversation some validity. So on the Bassmasters magazine, um, they ranked it somewhere in the top ten. I think it was. I have it here somewhere, but I'm not going to look for it now. But Ray Roberts was ranking the top five. Possum Kingdom was not even ranked, which I'm all, don't rank it at all. It sucks. Everybody that's listening, don't go to Possum Kingdom. Don't hail the tournament there. <laughs> but um, just because we, you, we, you and I know how good Possum Kingdom can be. And I think the yes. world just took notice. But anyways, going back to my original um, uh, point or, or question. When you look at what the basketball did on Ray Roberts and you look at not just what you did, Drew Gregory, um, Joe McElroy, um, I forgot who came up third place. Brad Case. Uh, Brad Case. Um, when you compare your numbers, obviously there's ours is in inches, those are in pounds or ounces. Um, but still, your bag was impressive compared to what we saw on Ray Roberts. How do you feel about the comparisons between a kayak angler and a bass boat angler as far as bass fishing? I I mean, everybody's an angler in my opinion. You just do it out of a bass boat or you do it out of a kayak. Um, There's a lot of indifference between the two. and It it happens. It's like Little little League versus Select League and it's baseball. You know, everybody gets picked on for not being in the top sport. But, uh, I think there's kayak anglers that are just as good as bass boat anglers, and there's bass boat anglers that shouldn't be bass boat anglers on a pro circuit. I mean, it is it, it is what it is. I mean, there's there's enough water and fish for everybody. But um, as compared to what we did on Possum Kingdom to what happened on Ray Roberts, um, the conditions were drastically different yeah. per, per each lake where we had constant current being drawn. Our water was muddied up. The fish were bunched up, whereas Ray Roberts had been flooded already. Yep. And the fish were already, I mean, they were spread out and spread out and can get up there. So I want to say the conditions on Ray Robert were extremely tough. And the conditions on Positive Kingdom were extremely tough. But if you found the fish, you found the fish. Yeah. So. And you definitely found the fish. How did it, I know you've, you've mentioned in another podcast before, uh, but just for the sake of my listeners that maybe haven't listened to your other podcast uh, that you've been on. What was the game plan um, on day one, and what was the game plan? The, now that's become a legend, uh, day two, what was the differences between day one and day two? You know, what do you saw on day one, and what did you saw on day two? So, 
day one, I mean, coming out of pre-fishing, I had planned to fish bluff walls. I had uh, tubes and crankbaits tied on. and Tubes? I found, huh? Yeah, I was, I was throwing some tubes. Um, but Because uh, they spiraled down, looked like a little dyed bait fish or a crawfish falling off the wall. Yep. But uh, I had planned to run bluff walls all day on day one, and I did up until about 1230. And uh, I, just, I had four small fish, and I, I pretty much had defeated myself. But I was like, I'm going to head back to the boat ramp area. There's a good bluff wall over there that I want to fish. And when I got there, uh, Justin Faircloth was sitting on that bluff wall. And I was like, it figures that somebody would be there. That wall holds fish pretty well. And I was like, and I saw a fish popping on the boat ramp. I was like, I'm going to go over there and fish. I like the boat ramps. And then I caught a striper, a couple sand bass, made a bad cast, caught like a 19 and a half inch bass, uh, cast it back over there about a hundred more times in 30 minutes and culled out my four fish with five new fish for 97 inches. So, wow. um, everything came off that boat ramp in the last 30 minutes of the tournament on day one. So day two, I show up, um, talking with justin joking around he's like you want me to turn my live scope on and look i'm like no just don't even mess with them i'm just just well when they when it's time to go everybody's gonna take off and i'm just gonna stay um talked to another angler that had caught a fish off the boat ramp before he left midday day one i was like hey man like, i know you caught a fish here yesterday i'm just letting you know i was like i'm not leaving the boat ramp i'm gonna fish right here he goes that's cool i didn't plan on staying anyways um so i stayed on the boat ramp all day um, I had limited out in the first hour, had wow. over 100 inches, um, and then I worked my way up to 112. Wow. It's crazy. Did you, when you limit out at 100 inches, were you like, okay, I got this? Or were you like, no, I need to do, you know, what kept you going? Because now you got 100 inches in the first hour. How do you keep yourself motivated? Or is that motivation in itself? just catching that many fish in you know making that big um, leap in one the first hour got you uh i had people message me like yeah man that's awesome you're crushing it keep going and then i had you know my friends that are a-holes to me on a regular basis and they're like <laughs> how can you sit there with a 20 a 19 incher on your limit like get rid of that fish like what are you doing like i think i had like two 17s or something and they're just riding me about it so i kept fishing to prove them wrong and I knew there was big fish in there. I had one break me off the day before. I mean, it broke two, two clean. It broke two, both my trebles on my crankbait in half. So I knew there was wow. big fish down there. And I mean, there were stock, stock hooks on that crankbait. So I mean, I didn't, I didn't really have high hopes for them. But <laughs> um, that, yeah. So I knew there was big fish there, and I wanted to call out. And I worked my way. It was 105, 107, 110. Um, when I got to 110, it, that was the point where I was like, what do I do? I have all 20-inch or bigger fish. Um, I kind of let it rest for a little bit, went piddled around, ran down the marina and back, talked to some people, and then I came back and casted some more and uh, upgraded both my fish and hit 112. So, I mean, it, always, there's always a big fish out there. You just you just got to keep fishing to catch them. The moment you stop fishing is the moment you lose. Yeah, learn that the hard way. <laughs> how um, how well? Let me ask. Hold on, let me rephrase that question that I was going to ask. When did you knew you wanted? When they announced it, or before that, you were like, "No, I got this in the books." Um, no, absolutely not. I, I knew it was going to come down to the wire. Um, I had a 
I should have had 99 inches day one. I had 97. I took a bad picture, and I actually ended up taking a video instead of a picture. So I, it cost me two inches there. Damn. And um, then I knew Joe was on fish, and I did. I knew it was going to be really, really close, and it, it came down to half an inch, which would be like an ounce in the bass boat world. So yeah. It was it was nuts. Um, I didn't know until that night or uh, Friday that I had won it. So, I mean, it, I was a nervous wreck for like two days. So you didn't know until the actually announcement, or how you already talked to Joe and the rest of the guys and kind of figured me, it out yourselves. Me and Joe talked um, before going up on stage, and we both knew it was going to be close. We just we didn't know which way it was going to go. Um, as Ryan said when he was over there in Joe's area, they were doing math on the water, and he was like, "I don't know, I don't know. It's super close. I mean, it can go one way or another." So I didn't know what Joe had done, and Joe didn't know if I had upgraded, which I, I never did after they turned the leaderboard off. I lost two fish that probably would have helped, but um, yeah, I didn't know until they called my name on stage. Now, now that you look at it, you've won two tournaments on Lake Fork, which you're more really like the Lake Fork King, the Fork King than the Possum King. <laughs> now you won um, uh, your signature win at Possum King. Which lake do you prefer? Uh, Possum King's never been one of my top lakes that I would visit. Um, the only reason I'd go to Possum Kingdom is a tournament. Um, I like Fork. I like the way it fishes. There's multiple styles you can use if you want to fish docks. If you want to punch grass, if you're a real deep fisherman, um, it just it. I like the way Lake Fork sets up. It's one of my favorite lakes. I mean, it's one of everybody in Texas' favorite lakes. Yeah. Um, but if I had to choose a lake to go fish in Texas to be like, if I had to choose a place that I'm going to go and I know I'm going to catch fish, it's going to be between Fork and Caddo. Caddo Lake, yeah. That's always that's a really nice like I haven't been to that one but I've heard good things about it. It's a it's a beautiful place. Yeah. So what is it about uh, Possum Kingdom that doesn't really attract to you, the way you fish? Um, one, I don't like clear water. I absolutely despise it. Uh, two, I don't like deep water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I I don't say I don't I don't like it or. It's just not one of my number one choices. Um, I mean, now it. I mean, now I'm like, yeah, I need to go back and check it out. Um, I did actually. I think two weeks later, I placed third and fourth in the uh, West Texas North Texas combo tournament that they ran out there yeah. off the same boat ramp, which was kind of well. I wouldn't say I caught my first. I caught my limit off the boat ramp, and then I went and looked elsewhere and missed a lot of fish doing what other people were doing in the previous tournament. So I'm just not a good finesse fisherman, so I couldn't figure it out. Yeah, finesse fishing is always tricky, especially if you like really like dialed in into power fishing. Just kind of going to finesse can be like mentally challenging. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. And, yeah, it happened in lacrosse. I ended up having to finesse fish to try and get bites, and I got bites. I just couldn't keep them on a hook. So something I got to really practice. How do you practice for something like that? And the reason why I ask you this is like we get so caught up in like I want to enjoy my day on the water i want to and the way you enjoy your day on the water when you're just fishing for leisure is catching Drink. fish yeah <laughs> that that one too right so i don't this is one thing that i've kind of learned now that i'm kayak fishing um for in tournaments and i think anybody that's getting into the sport 
whether it's and you know going from leisure to going into a tournament thing you have to make a lot of sacrifices as far as your enjoyment with the sport and what i mean by that there's times where it's like i want to go to this lake right for example i got a tournament in lake granberry by the way are you going to be in that tournament it's not an open and i'm not paying 60 dollars to fish two tournaments okay so so yeah <laughs> if i could if i could i'm not if I could fish a full season with Slay, I would. I mean, it was. I like. It's it. a nice tournament, yeah. Y'all, y'all all seem like decent people, so I come fish with you. It's again. Only surface, only in the surface. Now everybody's pretty decent on that group. I, I joke. But going back to what I was saying, it's like I have to go to Lake Renberry, which I hate. I can't stand fishing at that lake. So now my free time is not going to a lake that I would enjoy, like Lake Fork, uh, Wheeler Branch, different lakes that I would love to fish. But now I have to prepare for this tournament if I'm going to invest the money in it. it might as well, well try to get a win. And I can't do it unless I know the waters. So there's a lot of like a lot of sacrifices you have to make, especially now that you if you like you just mentioned, you're going to invest more time in the Hobie BOS next year. Yeah. How does that play out for you? You know, are, is it a point where you're like, where you feel like I need to get away from the tournament just so I can go back to enjoying fishing? Do you ever feel that way? Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Uh, Guillermo, um, we on day two we left the tournament at the same ramp uh, up in Lacrosse, and we we have we talk every now and then. And I had told him before a while back. I mean, it, it's been a while. I'm surprised he actually remembered it, but. I told him I had made the comments like I don't really get to fun fish anymore. Like it's yeah. all dedicated to tournaments. Like every time I go fish, it's preparing for a tournament. And he had asked me, he's like, "Hey man, do you get to fun fish? You you said that you didn't get to do that very often." I'm like, "Actually, yeah, I've actually kind of narrated my life now to where I get to spend time just going out and fishing." Um, and I I get to do that now with the uh, Trinity Bass Bash. I mean, it's still a tournament. Yeah, but it's on the Trinity River, and it's just a good time. And the area that I fish, there's always people. I get to take Spencer with me. Um, I bought a bass boat so we can go out more often together as a family and stuff. Um, so we're doing that, and it's just creating more more time for fun fishing. And whenever Spencer wants to go fishing, we go fishing no matter what I have going on. So, Spencer's your son? Yeah, Spencer's my oh. oldest son. He's he's seven, uh, turns eight next month on the 18th. So, oh nice! Uh, but uh, he he's my little fishing buddy. So when when he wants to go fishing, or you know, if we're I'm just in a down period, I'm like, dude, let's go fish. Let's go have some fun. And we may not catch anything. We may just sit around and eat snacks all day. But I mean, it, it gets me my mind off the tournament trail and doing what I'm doing. But I make sure now that I have time to go do what I want to do. Go fish water I want to do. Um, and it's got to be that way. I got burned out, I want to say, two years ago to where I was like, man, I don't even know if I want to fish tournaments anymore. Um, my wife's actually the one that talked me back into it, which is really weird in most people's relationships. Yeah, it is. But she's like, no, you know what you're doing. You just you need to go do what you do and stop second-guessing yourself. And that was a lot of the problem I was having is I'd have a game plan. I'm like, oh, no, scratch it last minute on the way to the ramp. And I'd go somewhere else and just bomb and it, and it happens, but uh, yeah, I, I definitely make sure I have time to go fun fish and visit lakes that I want to visit. And even if it's signing up for a tournament that I don't really care about winning or really competing in, if it's on a body of water that I want to go fish, why not take a shot at some extra cash? Otherwise, I'm still fishing a lake I want to be on. So, Yeah, that, and that's the point. I think a lot of us, 
Two things that I take out from what you just said. It's yes, it is. And for those out there that are looking to take into tournament, keep in mind, it does, if you are really serious about winning a tournament, um, it does take a little bit of the fun away from it, you know. Um, and in order to be really successful, it, there is that sacrifice of like, yeah, I'm not going to do as much fun fishing because I don't, you know, when unless you like, uh, financially independent where you don't have to go to work and you can do fun fishing and then prepare for a tournament that's different not yeah. a i don't know anybody right now in the kayak fishing tournament that has that luxury so for 99 percent of us <laughs> yeah you know you just have to like grind it out you know you, the fun fishing yeah. can cast kind of take a backstage if you want to progress and compete with the big boys out there in like the Hobie BOS and the Bassmasters and the KBF. And the other thing that I get from what you're saying is that, and I think I'm glad you mentioned it because now I feel like I'm not alone with this, but is that second guessing yourself. I think that mentally that's the biggest hurdle when it comes to kayak fishing on a tournament. Stop second guessing ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, go with a game plan, see if it works. And just stick it out. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Now, not doesn't mean you may not make changes on the fly when you are on the water. But the initial yeah. game plan, you know, you stick to the, you know, the roots of your game plan. Whatever yeah. you're going to fish and what you're going to work. You may change the bait. You may change locations. But you still started with your game plan. Because I think that's that's the biggest thing that I've, I, not just... For myself, but talking to other anglers, that's the biggest thing. Just kind of like stop second guessing yourself and go with yeah. your game plan. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I and I've always had a bad problem of doing that. So, but I've gotten to where I try and stick to it as good as I can. Um, mainly because I'm terrified of telling my wife. You know, I second guess myself again and I screwed up. Um, that was a <laughs> conversation we had to have coming back from. But actually, no, no, I stayed with my game plan in lacrosse. It bit me in the ass. So. <laughs> I mean, there's good and bad for both of them. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can make a case for either one, yeah. Definitely second-guessing yourself is just – it's not a good situation ever. So, if you you know what you're doing if you're in tournament fishing. Get out there and do what you know you're doing. Yeah. It, it's mentally and emotionally draining when it's it not – when your plan A is not working and you start second-guessing yourself. It could it could take a toll on you for sure. It can. Everybody thinks tournament fishing is fun and games and, oh, you get to go fishing all the time. Well, you know – it it mentally screws with you a lot, especially yeah. when you have a bad run of tournaments or something. So, at the end of the day, nine times out of ten, that fish get the last laugh on us. Oh, always, <laughs> always. Anyways, Mark, I've had you almost for uh, forty minutes, and I do appreciate your time with us. Um, I know you're a busy guy, and I don't want to take too much time away from your family. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit, Hobie Bos. But other than that, what's next for you as uh, as far as, um, you know, Possum King goes? You know, what, uh, what are you looking for next year now that the tournament is kind of winding down? Tournament season um, is winding down. I plan on running, running some of the pass opens, um, some of the MLF uh, lower level tournaments if I can get into them. Um, just getting everything in line to try and get next season ready to go, taken care of and make sure my, eye, my T's are crossed, my I's are dotted, whatever the saying is. But making sure I got it all right. Um, it's just a, lo a lot of things have changed now that I won won that tournament with it, such a big title on it. Um, just trying to get everything in order. Um, I want to make sure I stay on my grassroots tournaments and fish around home and have fun with that. 
Um, but I also got to focus on national level stuff as well if I want to keep moving up and get my get my fishing life together. Because right now I'm fortunate enough that my wife has a good enough job that I've uh, been able to look at next year and go, all right, this is what I get to do. And I'm going to maybe work extremely, extremely part-time next year, but it's all going to be focused on fishing and trying to move into making this a career. That's awesome, man. I uh, wish you the best on that. Um, Thank you. Except when you're in the same tournament as I am. But other than that, I wish you the best. <laughs> nah, just joking. We wish you the best no matter what, man. You know, I'm going to pay my 60 bucks next year just so I can come mess with you. Yeah, <laughs> that'll be fun. I, lo I love it, man. I was like, I was telling Josh Smith on Dark Waters. So I was like, you know, I was going in confident that I was going to win. I had it on my mind that I was going to win this tournament. And then I go to the captain's meeting, which is live captain's We have to go there. It's not Facebook. Yeah. Um, or anything like that and i see you you had just left you i see you driving off i see brian howell waiting um for his tourney tag and i was like well i guess third place not a bad place to be still in the money but once i got on the water i kept looking and i was i was i was really hoping and we care for what you wish for but i was really hoping you and brian did well because i was like this is what i got into tournament fishing it's yeah. not to win. It's to take. I wanted to take, and I say this with all due respect, but I wanted to take down names. I want to say I beat the Possum Kim. I want to say I, I beat Brian Howe, who's second in the Hobie BOS. Like I want that. I. It yes, it's intimidating, and it feeds into your insecurities when you're going against big names like you say, um, Brian Howell. But at the same time, once I was on the water, especially after I caught my first fish, which was 20 and a half inches, I'm like game on. And I started, I was constantly look at the leaderboard and I was constantly watching. I noticed Brian Howell was having a decent day. He was ahead of me for most of the day. I noticed your first three fish were solid and I was going to go outside like this is going to be a bar fight. This is going to be, you know, grind it out and, and, and put on my best attitude and my game face on to try to beat these guys and it really upped the ante for me it was like i want to beat these guys I, I was looking at the phone it's like i want to beat you mark i want to beat you brian and i say that again with all due respect yeah and i say that to anybody that's uh getting into kayak fishing man when you see those big names i notice i've heard people say oh man i'm not gonna go with that i don't want to donate my money to these guys i'm like well you already have a defeated attitude and if that's yeah. the case no then you shouldn't be on a tournament unless you're out there just to enjoy the camaraderie that's another thing but if you're going to be out there you have to have that winning attitude you have to look at yourself and say i want to beat this guys i'm pumped up when i see your name on a tournament when i see anybody's uh, that i know is a great angler that has made a name for themselves it's part of the competitive nature of it now yeah. do you feel that now that you have that um that win under you that big win that signature win do you feel like other anglers target you that way in in saying like oh yeah you know this changes the games and how people view you and how they view you as a tournament competitor do you feel that different vibe uh now? i mean more people want to talk to me and shake my hand and meet me at tournaments and stuff um i guess they might be like yeah i beat the possum king that fool came in like 96 out of 110 <laughs> the mississippi river and i mean not everybody has a good tournament but i mean if people want to bounty hunt me that's fine i mean i'm still gonna go out nope 
We lost the possum came minute forty five. I'll see you there for a second. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know what happened. My uh, no worries. I had to run into a different room real quick, but uh, yeah, I mean, if people want to say, yeah, I'm after the Possum King, I can't figure out what this camper's doing, but oh well. But no, uh, you good. If, if that's what they want to do, more power to them. I'm just an average guy. I've always thought that I've been a pretty solid competitor in tournaments, and people would know that I was there to fish for real every time I showed up. Um, but yeah, I mean. I guess it could be that way now. If it is, awesome. I'm, I'm happy people think about me that way. Um, yeah, it's a compliment. Awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's just a giant compliment if that that's what it is. So, but, uh, I mean, I'm fine with it. Mike, before I let you go, uh, one more question. Has, how's has life changed for you after winning that tournament? Has it um, changed at all? Anything different? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts that, go into play play now um, especially with me wanting to move into the bass boat world as well as the kayak world um, that's been one of the biggest changes is that's probably gonna that win has helped me catapult myself into that I mean once again it's not like I get to just jump into the elite series or the MLF tour or anything like that I still gotta earn my stripes and go through the bottom to the top but uh, it's, it's catapulted me to where I can go to companies now that hey this is what i want to do do you want to jump on board with this do the cinderella story type thing from kayak to bass boat and if it works it's gonna look great if it doesn't i'm just another guy that's fishing tournaments so but that, well that's man we're gonna be the biggest thing is moving to bass boat tournaments next year that's gonna be a uh, that's that's a big step well we're gonna miss you but oh, I'm not gonna, I'm <laughs> about. oh man i thought I'm you were going Okay, well, I guess we still have to deal with you taking our money, but nah, it's all good, man. <laughs> we're, we're here to, to feed your, um, and to sponsor your, your bass boat ambitions. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll appreciate it. <laughs> well, Mike, again, thank you so much for joining us. I'll give you a few minutes. I know there's a lot of people you want to thank, sponsorships, family members. I know you already mentioned your wife has been, uh, huge in helping you um develop as an angler so go ahead and take a few minutes to thank anybody you want to thank uh definitely my wife uh, my dad for getting me into fishing at a young age um i didn't really bass fish until about eight years ago but i've always strived for fish and crappie fish coming up to this uh alx rods old town canoes and kayaks um x time baits without those three companies um I, I i don't know where i'd be right now um anglers pro tackle they were one of the first yeah companies that i ever agreed to pro staff or do anything and uh rick and patty over there they've they've been there since i first started eight, almost eight years ago 
Um, they helped me get my first kayak, rods, reels. They helped me hand pick stuff. Um, and I'm pretty sure some of it was, you know, you don't really need this, but we're, we're going to tell you, dude. But I love rigged batty, and I'd, I'd yeah. do it in the world if I could. But, uh, and let's see. Uh, P-Line, God, without P-Line, I mean, Excite Baits, ALX Rods, and P-Line, and the Old Town Guy, that's what won me the tournament right there. So um, that, that's about everybody. I don't really have a lot else right now that I can talk about, but that's about everything. And you well, and- for having me on your show. Oh man, my I'm pleasure. Here with you, but I'm, I'm having to take it easy right now. I'm on a new medication, so. Oh no, don't worry about it, man. All right, you know, and uh, first of all, thank you for coming to the show. It's an honor to have you on the show. It's an honor to compete with you on the tournaments. I look forward to you know watching you on the water and trying to take your name name down uh, on the <laughs> on the standings. It will be awesome. But right, you well, know, I'll see you out there again. <laughs> <laughs> definitely but again thank you so much we wish you the best both in the kayak fishing tournament and the boat fishing tournament and whatever you have planned for the future for you your family spencer your wife you know we, we wish you the best it, it's great and it's an honor to have you on a kayak fishing community in our sport you're a great ambassador to the sport and again we look forward to what you're doing man thank you i appreciate it and my pleasure once again man thanks for having me on the show it's a great time my pleasure, man. For those out there listening, thank you for joining us. Once again, it's Bass Kayak and Beers with your host, Armando, and my special guest, Mark Pendergraf. If you made it this far, go check out my sponsor, Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Thank you again, everyone. Have a great day, and uh, wear your PFDs. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6'8 Western. Oh, I'm old there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.